Ed Sheeran. He looks like if one of the hobbits went and pledged Sigma Kappa Kappa rather than yeah. like went on the, the, the Lord of the Rings adventure. They stayed behind because yeah. of this pledge. Yeah, they were like, oh, we would go with you, Frodo, but... I gotta, I gotta shotgun this PBR and fireball. I mean, I, I already waxed my toes for pledge week. What am I supposed to do? <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Because <laughs> hobbit, hobbit feet, and they have hairy. But why feet would you and... wax your? Okay, all right. Hey, man. Hey. It's a you know, it's a, a hobbiton Brazilian. It's a. <laughs> Comrades, welcome to the 55-1 podcast. My name is Westerdine, back in front of a mic, back from Maine, back from Pennsylvania, back from the East Coast, and back into some passive aggressiveness. Uh, it's really great to see you all. Corey Schreppel, Mark Fangmeyer, Rodrigo Sanchez Javaria, who's getting a late dinner, and uh, I'm going to do a long intro so that he can finish putting it in his mouth. <laughs> but um uh, hey everyone! It's thanks a big for big bite too. Thanks for uh, thanks for putting up with us last week. I had the um, I I brought my you know old sound equipment to to record from the road and it wasn't very good. So quality was crappy and whatever. And we didn't have Mark, but we did have Jeffrey. So yeah, you know Jeffrey was great. He was yeah. great. It was great to talk to him. Uh, we we he was uh, we tried to get him on tonight to talk about France, but he um, he actually exploded like a his entire body exploded he's no longer alive uh so sorry about that jeffrey um but, but at least here's the here's the list. bonus about him exploding is that now we can use his bedroom bed as one of our areas to crash during the u.s mexico oh, yeah. match in march there. boom yeah, yeah. I, I might legit try to crash on his couch what if all four of us just flew down there and we're like hey guys we're, hey, can we just bring sleeping bags and hang out in your living room yeah i mean I mean, I got a place to stay. I know people, but I don't know about the rest of y'all. But I don't. I don't know. I know Jeffrey. That's it. So, yeah. um, <laughs> I don't right. even know Jeffrey. So, so it's let's fine. let's uh, let's do this podcast. We're going to talk about. We've got. We'll, two we'll do the we'll do the Gringo thing and just bring our camp and just like go, go camp in one of the public parks and, <laughs> and then and then all the all the homeless folk will be like, hey hey, how much are you renting it? No, it's it's going to be great. We're going to be doing that. Um, We're going to go crash at Jeffrey's place. Okay. So everyone else, all listeners, you're all invited to, to Jeffrey's place. I'm sure it's huge. Um, we are going to talk about two Minnesota United FC games against Austin, against Portland. Three goals scored, two of them by D'Artagnan, Adrian Unu, and uh, and no goals given up. Thank you, Tyler Miller. And uh, and But before then, let's, let's do some, uh, let's do our little uh, good, the bad, and the weird the good, Corey, tell us about this week in the Euros, because that was the good. Yeah, so Euros on Monday was one of the best days of international soccer, um, especially for the Euro competition. Early match, Croatia, Spain. Spain went up 3-1. Um, Morata was actually silencing the haters, I think is the phrase, and scoring some goals. Uh, but Croatia came back. Uh, 
you know, had some really late goals, tied it up three, three, went to extra time. Um, it was absolutely brilliant. Spain ended up getting two more goals in uh, the extra time going to win. But the big news was France also going up against uh, Switzerland three, one Switzerland coming back with two late goals uh, and then no goals in extra time. It goes to PKs. Everybody was perfect on their PK. Switzerland had their fifth. And then uh, Kylian Mbappe came in and uh, he had a great penalty, but it was an even better save by Switzerland's uh, keeper and knocked one of the favorites, uh, the two top two favorites for Euros is Belgium and France, knocked a heavyweight out of the competition. It was amazing. Um, so, and then today, yeah, well, go before ahead. You, before you get to that, I was traveling so much this week that I've, I've missed a bunch of these games. I actually missed the entirety of yesterday because I was driving through New Jersey, which is um, just a fucking terrible place. Um, but um, were these games just crazy or were they, I mean, what what level of good versus, you know, good crazy because it's just mayhem or like, are Spain good? I can't tell. No, 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 but it was no. just, it was Spain's just that, that shit. That game was bad shit. And, and Switzerland, yeah. I mean, how did, how did France I mean, give the, up the France Switzerland game was like bad shit because the fact that for the majority of the first half, like literally like Switzerland look like they were there to play. And, and we, and when Jeffrey was here, he talked about how like, you know, like, they they they're turning France is turning to a one trick pony where they want to counter attack, give the ball to the fast guys Griezmann and and Mbappe and and just score right. And yeah. they've been just like England at that point. They were just squeaking by, one nothing wins or or, yeah. or two one wins right. They were not being the dominant force that they could be, and literally like right Switzerland got a PK call, right. Yep, and they took the PK. And literally what happened is the, the goalkeeper saved it. He got super pumped up, like, you know, like uh, Vita Minone when he saved that Dallas PK. Oh, was it? Oh, yeah. He's just, just, you know, and then in 90, and then, and then literally 90 seconds, no, 30 seconds later, they, they score a goal, right? And then yep. 90 seconds later, they score another one. So it was like, it was like, you know, um, Benzema was like, Scored two goals in ninety seconds, and, and, like, and they were in the one they were doing everything, and Pogba was doing everything. But then after that happened, they're just like, "Oh, okay, we don't got to do anything," and like they all forgot to play defense. Yeah, they, and let and let Switzerland come back. Yeah, that's what and made it, it crazy. Yeah, it was. There were some amazing. France had some beautiful goals. Like Benzema had his his goal. Oh, uh, ben, at least the, the Benzema. The first one. That's one I, I did catch, which was the the touch to bring it forward behind yeah. him and and then yeah. to, to score with the and, side of his yeah. boot it was beautiful Even it was amazing I, I pogba's pogba's goal from outside the box to the the curler up in the top corner like it was it was ama- it was everything that you would want and then it became an open ended game and france just wasn't defending and then it goes to goes to pk's and you just love to see you know if you're a neutral and you were rooting for team chaos like that's exactly what you got for that entire day and then separately not euros right. but that night messi just put on a clinic with argentina and it was just it was a great day it was a great day of soccer all around right no it was and i think the two is that like mbappe had so many chances to score and it just wasn't going in 
And like I sat down and analyzed the PK that he took. And I was like, did you forget to lock his ankle when he kicked his head? And it looked like he did. I don't know if he did. But uh, that's one of the things that when you take, you tell your kids to go take a penalty is like, listen, already pick a spot before you go there. Put it, put it, put it on the side that you're going to kick it to. And just go into it, lock your ankle, push through and just hit it. That's it. Don't, don't even think about panencas. Don't think about looking at the keeper. Just do it. Well, What we're not talking about is Denmark is the real story here, guys. Four nothing <laughs> over uh, Wales. My my people, the Danish people, the Czech people. The great thing about the Euros is um, I can pick basically half the teams and decide which ones I <laughs> wait, get wait, to cheer for. But don't the don't the Danes uh, play the Czechs? They do now in the quarterfinals. Be I'll be drinking uh, Betrovka and well, I'll, I'll be drinking Pilsner Urquell and Akavit uh, together um, when they in other, play. In other words, Wes cannot lose in that, that match. He no, ends, no. He ends Every, up winning regardless. Everything is, everything is great. Yeah, Wes is, gonna, Wes is just going to fail up with his team selection, just like Frank DeBoer. Exactly. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, Frank DeBoer is now gone from, uh, from the Netherlands because they lost, and he's terrible. Uh, oh, my don't, God. Don't How do you mess up a talented team like that? Oh, then get is a there red... Is there going to be a Kolachi Danish challenge at the Blackheart during this match? I can make some really good Kolaches, but um, here's the thing. I'm catching up from being gone for a week and a half, and um, I have no time to make Kolaches. Uh, <laughs> but if anyone can, I will uh, I will pay you for them, and we can eat them during the... When is the, the Kolach Derby? The, oh, the West Derby. Uh, Saturday, Saturday 11. Oh, I'll be there. Czech Republic versus Denmark. Um, uh, you know, you can get what we'll do is we'll do a special of Pilsner, Kell, and uh, Akavit. You can celebrate both teams with me. Um, there aren't too many Danish Czech people out there, I guess. But anyway, <laughs> let's move to the other good, which is Superman goes to Scotland. Uh, Christian Ramirez gets officially announced by Aberdeen. Um, it's it's a very weird move. Um, he's taking a pay cut. I don't know. No one has reported what money was involved with, uh, with the move. Um, but like, good for him, man. You know, you're 30. You've got a, you've got, uh, you know, four to five more years as a pro. So like take an adventure. And, um, I, I love the man's, that, that man's thirst for coming back to be a Minnesota United player is unquenchable. Um, I think some people saw that, you know, I, I tweeted that Christian will, won't play in Cloud City. The curse will continue uh, until uh, Aberdeen can play a friendly here. And he said, or dot, dot, dot. But let's talk about the curse. He was scheduled to play here. I don't I think Houston play here sometime in the next month and a half. Oh, he, August 7th. Um, I made sure to, that was my yeah. number. I, I have a... We split season tickets, so that was like my number one match was to get that one. And um, so, what what kind of witchcraft do you think that he did a deal with the devil? Do you think that he? Do you think this this was the result of some deal he did, or was it like um, uh, a, a curse that that like? Some he like pissed off some witch doctor and then they cursed him and said, You will never play in Cloud City. Which one? Because I think uh, it's basically a deal he did to get that big salary. Like he's been paid a lot of money. It's the curse of Manny Lagos. <laughs> I think that's about it. It's uh, Manny Lagos. 
and his negotiation tactics on contracts is really well. That's that's all it is. Yeah. Curse of Manny Lagos. All right. So let's go to, there's no bad. There's, well, the bad and the weird is Ed Sheeran, man. Ed, uh, Corey, you take us, take us through this one. Uh, so Ed, Ed Sheeran played an acoustic set at the uh, England national team squad barbecue. Um, is that what they call it over there? Barbecue? Or is it sure. something else? I don't, I, know. I, I don't know. I directly pulled that exact spelling of barbecue from the... Uh, the times that yeah yeah from the London paper to make sure I had it correct yeah it's it's uh, one of the few exceptions for allowing outsiders into the team's COVID bubble. Um, I mean, he looks like. Uh, Do you think he spreads syphilis just by breathing, or is it? <laughs> no, it's definitely chlamydia. I, I cannot think of anything I would less I would want to be at than an English barbecue with Ed Sheeran playing acoustic guitar. That sounds like. Straight up hell to me. It, it's literally, uh, it's literally unseasoned music. Like it's just that sounds it's yeah, dry that's as like potato a, salad. Yeah, that's like <laughs> potato salad with like um, with like egg chunks and like weird like um, someone did unsalted pasta, butter, pasta noodle, pasta noodles and unsalted butter. That is fucking oh my god, Ed Sheeran. No, no, no. Here's no, my it's question. Like, it's the bite of potato salad where like you get like the really old paprika that someone tried to put on it and it just came out in chunks and you got a paprika chunk in your bite. That's what Ed Sheeran is. He's a, like a paprika, Ed a dry, like a old paprika cluster in your mouth on bad potato salad. Ed Sheeran at a, at an English national team barbecue is carrot shavings in jello. That's what that is. <laughs> we're doing Bill the jokes Foden. again. Bill Foden <laughs> is Ed Sheeran. <laughs> Oh my God! Can you imagine if the two of them touched? Oh my God! If they came into the same space, They're, they they, they have a uh, they have um, a Scissor Sisters cover band called uh, Strawberry Blonde. Let's <laughs> <laughs> just dive deeper until nobody. <laughs> oh my gosh! Here's here's my question. Yeah, I heard that Chile is now uh, filing a complaint because. They had a barber and they got in trouble, but they could have Ed, but 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 England could have uh, could have Ed Sheeran and break COVID protocol. Oh my God! Were there pictures? If, if Were they Sheeran, leaked on WhatsApp if, as well too? If Ed Sheeran was also at an English national team barbecue orgy, I can think of like few things that would make me less aroused than that. Ed Ed, Ed Sheeran is the English Benedetti, like. <laughs> I mean, it's probably easier to confirm Ed Sheeran's vaccination records than it is, you know, the random, uh, you know, entertainment that is brought into a barbecue for either the Chilean team or, you know, the, um, you know, Club America's entertainment. All right, everyone, it's uh, time to take a break so you can take a bath and forget everything <laughs> that was just said in your ears. We'll be back. Here's the news. Gregush and Reitara are back with Minnesota United FC, but Lud is back in Finland. Metanir is back in France. Both of them are trying to get their green cards sorted, so we don't think that they'll be available for Saturday, but we don't know. That sucks, particularly for Metanir. Um, Lud, you know, I think that we've done okay. Well, we've done well without him. It'd be nice to have him back. Gregush and Reitara, it's, it's nice to have them back, but... Um, 
Well, we'll talk about them uh, for when we preview the game coming up. But let's talk about what happened. Midweek, uh, it was Minnesota United hosting Austin. It was the Pride game. It was the first game back with a, a full crowd. It was something I was terribly upset to have missed, but because I plan vacations stupidly and I just decide uh, to, to go whenever, I missed it. Um, two of you were there. Corey, uh, Rodrigo, you, you weren't there. It was just Corey. Corey? How was it? Yeah. Uh, I will say it was a very cathartic experience. Um, you know, I thought that our our club's fans have done a fantastic job over the last, you know, uh, four home matches. But, man, it, it walking in on the south side of the stadium and then walking under the Wonder Wall eight minutes before kickoff was just like – it's like, it felt, it felt great. Um, I will say um, for anyone who's concerned, um, I feel like people were respecting each other's space a lot more than I've experienced in the past in the concourses and bathrooms and things like that. Um, no making out after goals with strangers. Yeah, exactly. That's, uh, that's good. I mean, it was great. Was it was the wonder wall was on point. Um, I think everyone was just really happy to be around everyone else and watch a really good soccer match. And it was a lot of people's first experience seeing a lot of these players. I think it yeah. was. So it's the first I don't know, time. I don't know what the number was, but a significant number of our marquee players had never played in front of a full Allianz field. Yeah. Well, um, certainly not Bebelo, um, obviously not Unu, not Nico Hansen. Not Fragapane. Um, yeah, there's, there's a decent amount of players out there who had never played in front of the Wonderwall, never got to sing Wonderwall. Um, against Austin, I, I've said in the past that throughout this season, Minnesota have not put together a game that I thought was a convincing win. They've won games, obviously, but um, they, they were not obviously the better team the whole time. This game, they, uh, they beat Austin. It was convincing. Austin obviously had opportunities, but um, this was Minnesota United's win. Uh, Austin were weakened by a couple of different things. But um, I I think that that can be attributed to this attacking lineup, right? So let's talk about the attacking lineup of Adrian Unu, D'Artagnan, as uh, I'm going to call him. Let's make it all for one and one for all. Nope. I thought that's, you guys were uh, no, me on that, that one. That song no. is absolutely great. And I would have done the Sting line, which descends. No, Sting sings the top line and holds it. Oh, yeah, yeah, and then yeah. Brian Adams descends and Rod Stewart sings the bottom harmony. But because Zoom doesn't allow us to do sync yeah. uh, very well, it just would have sounded like a oh, yeah. bad Thank high school you. choir. Let's mm. just do this. Next time D'Artagnan scores and there's karaoke after the game, we will sing that song and you can do Sting. Oh, my God. I would love to do Sting. I'll do uh, Brian Adams, who, and then we need to find who is who is um, Canada's prince. Yeah, yeah, and then we need to find someone to do uh, Rod. Do you guys know that I've been to multiple Brian Adams concerts? <sighs> Fucking hell! All right, you do Brian yeah. Adams. I'll do Rod. I, I, I still have a T-shirt. I've I've, I've uh, chummed around we, with Rod we, Stewart we went to the Reckless Twenty. I have Rod Stewart's uh, Minnesota United jersey. <laughs> is, is Brian Adams that that guy in that Prince of Thieves movie? No, that's Kevin Costner. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but it is the song. Everything yeah. I do for you. 
<laughs> we know what he's talking about. Okay. And Adams is a treasure. But, all right, let's go back. Back to D'Artagnan. Okay, D'Artagnan. Uh, scores. Wait, what was I saying about D'Artagnan? I forget. Anyway, we're talking about the lineup. Well, the, the, the attacking lineup, right? And let's just talk about the goal then, right? Um, the goal happens, and I think that this is the kind of goal that um, that Adrian Heath dreams about when he thinks about attacking fullbacks going forward, providing the width, and then you've got these guys pulling in central in the attack. Metnir goes in there. He exchanges the ball with Nico Hansen, with um, Evelo, I think, um, and then gets forward, cuts it back to Fragapane, who like pops it up to himself and just slams it into the roof of the net. I was re-watching this game um, or re-watching these highlights just before we recorded, and I had kind of forgotten because it was like seven years ago when this game happened. And I screamed when the goal happened because I had forgotten how good it was. It was amazing. Frank Payne, man. It, it was, yeah, it was... I mean, it's it's a number of things. Like, we don't usually... We, we've seen Metnair get... That, and that's the thing that I found the most interesting is Metonair's getting into spaces with this team um, that we haven't seen historically in the past because it's been it's been more uh, vertical with Ethan Finley or Lud in front of him. And now with Nico Hansen there, who's kind of cutting in, Metonair's getting into the box or is able to get to the end line and, and, and cut it back in, um, which means that we have more bodies in the box and we're creating more chaos in the box. So Metonier crossed it back in, and it like kind of deflected, bounced, half volley, whether Fragapane kicked it up to himself or not. But yeah, you're absolutely right. This is the kind of attacking uh, character that I think that, that Heath is, is going for, and I think it's right. But there are other pieces back in the midfield that allow Metnair to get up there. And one of the the things that's that's been common over a couple of these wins is it's Hassani Dots in the midfield. You know, that that is covering for Metnair on that right side that he hasn't historically had. Um but yeah, it was a it was a beautiful goal. It was it was incredible. It was great to see alive. Um I think, uh, but I don't know if we want to talk about it for this game or the next one, but Adrian Nunu, his goal in this game is a header from uh, Fragapane corner. You know, not particularly impressive. I mean, a header from a corner is nice, but um, his movement and his chances, he keeps on, he's not, he's been saved a lot. And I don't know, sometimes it's his fault. Sometimes it's it's just great, especially in the Portland game. But Adrian Nunu looks amazing uh in just the the first few games i just think that he is everywhere he's connecting well he's making great movements he's shooting the ball uh i just i'm i'm really impressed with them i mean here's the thing that you've always talked about is is to have someone on the left that actually is willing to be part of the attack and and do that and i think one of the things about Anu is that he's finding all these spaces in between the center backs and we're and, and we're getting and, and we're trying to get him the ball, right? And I think he his movement is great and his shot selection is getting better. And I and what I, I'm really liking most of out of this, and you and, and you know how much uh, we give criticize Metaneers always dribbling to the end of the box and and uh 
and set and crashing the ball in. And that goal that he assisted uh, Frank Frankapane, he actually took it all the way into the box. Then he cut it right back into the six, which we've been asking him to do to dribble in the box and to just set it after someone who's running and perfectly set that up. And then that just breaks any offense, any defense up. Like the center backs now have to watch it. And then it builds the confidence of everyone else. And I think that is one of those things that is really interesting about this uh, attacking force. You have Reynoso that's, that the now knows is allowed to create and he connects well with Fragapane, but then you also have a new who's moving around and making the center backs uh, be really pay attention to him. And I think that's one of the things that's really interesting. And then, and then not only that, but then you don't have a Chase Gasper that has to so much do create offense, try to create offense when all you can really do is just work on playing defense and just connecting passes, which makes the job easier a lot for Will Trap, and um, it makes it a lot, a lot easier for that midfield to be able to. I mean, Dotson had a great game, I thought. I mean, I, he was connecting passes. He was chipping balls to people. He was trying to push that ball forward. And, and his connection with, uh, with Reynoso, which, which, I t- which we talked about in a couple episodes, but we wanted to see how that would work. It seems to be one of those things that uh, that the more they get time together, the better it's going to get, and it, and it makes 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 you exciting. Specifically, when you have someone like a Nico Hansen that you can literally play at the left or the right. Not only does he have amazing hair and facial structure that looks like he's one of the main characters in Vikings, right? In the, in the Viking series, right? But he just he's he's willing to take chances, willing to shoot. He, he takes so many shots. Doesn't really make any of them in, which is fine. But he's he's willing to be part of that offense, and that's that's really that's one thing that's really exciting about watching the at least these two games. I mean, the fun thing about watching this one is like it feels like for a lot of the time, anytime Minnesota United has gone up, you know, one or two goals, there's always been a letdown towards the end. And it was nice that there when this Austin match that there wasn't a letdown. I mean, granted, and we should have won by more if it wasn't for I mean, my man Brad Stuver again. The Stuve man. He, he is. He played. He's. He kept Austin as close as he could in that match. Like, and so you're I mean, a, yeah, it was nice wizard, to not Brad. have that letdown. Like, if, if you go back to like the Dallas game, there's the letdown. If you you know, there's there's always seems to be a letdown after taking a lead, and it was nice to finally have like as you said, a dominant kind of win where there wasn't that letdown later on after taking the lead. Well, let me let me transition then to talk about this and the Portland game. Talk about either one. We have two games. Um, one Austin at home after they've just had their um, their opening of their stadium. It's midweek. Tough game for them. I'm glad we won and we kicked their ass. Portland away, always tough. Uh, it was also 10 million degrees. The game got pushed until 11:30 on uh, Eastern Standard Time, where I was, so I did not watch it. Um, but uh, the, so the game was was really hot, et cetera. But um, you have Tyler Miller has come in for the last five games, right? And has given up two goals. Um, I don't want to put it all on him because I think that he made some pretty decent saves. Um, but you suddenly have a defense that looks very different for these last few games. Uh, I think that Tyler Miller helps with it. I think that he's a veteran presence who yells a bit more. Uh, or, or organizes a bit better, maybe. Um, but we were very worried in the beginning, right? Rightfully, 
about a bad defense, right? Mostly because we didn't have Debassy either. But all of a sudden, even with Chase out there, Chase looked pretty decent the last two games. I think that's there's reasons for all of that. But let's talk about the defense here because I think it's easy to to get really excited about the sexy um, uh, interplay of the the front four. But uh, but the defense was doing some pretty yeoman stuff there. Is it Tyler Miller? Who do you want to sing the praises of? I mean, you know, we we've talked about Dane and Tyler and and who should be doing what, and um, you know, we had a lot of injuries and we didn't have a lot of consistency in in our defense. And we knew that having Debassy paired with Boxel is a known quantity, and I think it was getting people healthy. But the thing, like, I I am a I am a Tyler Miller fanboy. Like, um, I saw uh, a, a, a list of a bunch of goalkeeper stats so far this season. And Tyler Miller has the best save percentage um, in the league right now. Um, yeah, 10,000 pitches, I think, uh, Jeremy Rushing had, yep. had, was talking yep. about talking that up. Yeah, so. I couldn't remember who, who had it. But it's he, he is directing the back line and reading the game and being more vocal. And I think that is helpful. It's not the only reason, but I think that's, that's the thing that steadied the ship a little bit um, while we were waiting for Debassi to come back in. But then it, it, it's also, a, you know, it, he, it, it, he's going to look a little bit better than he actually is because Debassi came in shortly after he started. So everything kind of settled within one or two games. Yeah, no, and actually coming in, like Debassi, like especially in the Portland game was fantastic. Like there was, I forget which one, there was one time where like he was marking uh, Valeri and Valeri got across in and had like, was on like the six yard box, had a great shot and he just came in and got like just enough of a touch of it to send it just wide of the goalpost. And Debassi was fantastic in Portland. Like he made so many plays. Like there was a number of times where, I mean, there was one specifically where like Metnair got beat, Boxel stepped up, couldn't get to him. And then he just kind of covered the whole center of the box. Like it was, Debassi is like kind of just great. And like, I, I don't know what we're going to do when Boxy leaves for Olympic duty. And it's just Debassi and Brent Coleman because that's not going to be great. Kevin Gucci. Kevin Gucci. Yeah. Kevin Gucci has been playing right back. Well, he's only played three games for Sacramento. I mean, I, I obviously I love Kevin Gucci, but um. Yeah, I mean, Rodrigo, you do you have something to to add on the defensive part? I think it's just look when I think last time we watched uh, Austin, um, like I was, it, it was just Boxy's tenacity in the box, just taking people down is always something fun to watch, and 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 I think it was in in this in this um. In this game, in the in the Austin game, is one of those things where like our defense was dominant in the aspect of like they were cutting spaces, they were being physical, and Tyler Miller had two great saves, right? The one where he comes out and he stopped puts his shoe, and then the other one when the shoot from like twenty yards out, low ball, and like it was going towards the ball, and he dives and he grabs it. I mean, like that builds confidence, and I think the confidence right now is is, is, is that they feel pretty good about where they're at, and I think that that's a good thing to go. Chase Gasper is no longer being the butt of a jokes, right? Um, and he, we're not talking about him because 
he has that support on the left hand side to be able to do that. I mean, in this game, Dotson like literally could have scored three goals himself. I mean, there's just there's a lot of we had so much space and we we're just playing that pretty soccer that we know we could play and we hadn't seen in such a long time. And it's nice to be able to to to, to see what 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 can be like. We were actually you know trying to split the defense for long balls and we haven't seen that since Kevin Molino last last year was trying to do that with Mason Toy. So. Um, I want to move to to Portland here and talk about that game a little bit. Um, it started early with uh, a goal from Adriano Nu from Fragapane um, crossing it over the ball. Before that, it was great. It was Bebelo. Uh, he's got two defenders on him, and he flips the ball up over them on, to I think it was Fragapane who then plays it back to him immediately. Bebelo puts it forward. To Fragapane, who's now made it clear on with a run, and then he cuts it back to Unu. They just carved them inside and out. They should have had two more goals in the next five minutes when um, Bebelo missed wide and I think Nico Hansen missed wide. It was um, it was really good stuff. It was really attractive soccer in the first half. Second half, Portland come back and they start to control, they start to control. It looks like they should have scored a couple goals in the first few minutes. Um, they don't. We hold on. What do you take away from that game? I think it's just, it's a little bit of luck, but you, like you said, it's, we should have had more goals. We were playing pretty soccer. The Our attack coming from the midfield, we figured it out. It was the same lineup. Uh, as the Austin match. Um, so you got uh, Dotson and Trapp in the midfield um, who both have a little bit of a creative spark themselves if you know uh, they can they can create chances. And um, I think it's, I think Nico Hansen needs a goal. Um, I think he, he needs to get one. Uh, it's going to be good for his confidence though um, to get that. Um, Wait, didn't he have the one off his butt though? Or who yeah, was it that got the, like, the uh, one against did. Dallas? Or Nico remember Hansen the one that like goal? It, it was Nico. Oh, it was, was it like Nico? off his shoulder. Oh yeah, yeah, off his shoulder. But I mean, like he he's had similar goals where he kind of cuts in onto his left and tries to and and um, you know it's it's the same thing that we see from Unu, which was is is the timing? Is he not pulling the trigger fast enough? Like, is it accuracy? What is it? Um, I think I think we just there's chemistry there, and I think it's really really great. The biggest thing though is that we just were withstanding wave after wave after wave of attacks, and I think that is just bolstering our defense's confidence. Um, and we lasted for a while. We didn't bring on Coleman and Ozzy until the 90th minute. And then we went to like a five four one, um, <clears throat> and it was just resilience. It was like some of those matches that we saw the first season at Allianz, a lot of one nil wins where it was just we get a goal at some point early on, um, and then we just hold it. You know, I mean, we should have won the Portland match. We could have had three or four goals, but Steve Clark was immense for Portland. He was a beast. Yeah. Uh, literally is the only was the only thing that kept them in the match in addition to Portland's lack of ability, uh, lack of finishing ability. 
And their lack of players, because didn't they only have like five field players available as subs on their roster because of everybody that got called up to Copa America and was injured? Take take the chances while you got them. <laughs> and, you know, and only having five subs when it's 100 degrees out is, you know, also great for them. Uh, it's good for us, though. I mean, Jimmy Chara played against Peru and did nothing. So there you go. You know, I mean, I mean, here's a, here's the thing, too, is that I think one of the things that that we kind of seem to overlook and we've talked about how he's been effective is is, is Will Trap, right? I mean, like yeah. he's uh, been able to we, we wanted someone, you know, to be able to connect passes and and, and to be able to. Uh, you know, keep not lose passes and and connect them and be able to and and I think he's he's finally settling in and understanding what his role is and 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 given the opportunity to play and display what he we but we've we've seen him do before in other teams and so yeah I thought that was him but the other thing that really surprised me over these last couple of games is Nico Hansen. So I think before before you go to Nico, can we talk about Will? But I don't just go ahead. Yeah. So Will Trap is top ten in in per ninety minutes of uh, passes into the final third. Um, I, I think that one one of the things that we have talked about in the past with Ozzy, right? Ozzy does two things. One, he shields the back line, um, and and that means kind of uh, sometimes he's dogged and he t- makes those tackles, but sometimes it's just making the smart move, especially as he's older now, and just making the step in to 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 intercept the ball. Um, we know that Will Trap is not dogged. That dude um, makes one tackle a game. He is very good at interceptions. Um, what's very funny is actually he had none in this Portland game, but he's he is pretty good at that. Um, I, I think in terms of uh, protecting them that way. He is also very good at the other thing that we talk about with Ozzy is how he would just basically be the pivot that would then the ball would come to him and then everything starts from him. Trap is not, has not quite become that central the way once Ozzy came into our team, the, the, the like perspective change. Trap doesn't quite do that in that the ball doesn't always go to trap and then it goes elsewhere, right? He's not the like uh, the the port that uh, from which all attack leaves, um, but he is pretty good at that and he's pretty good about making these um, great long passes and and kind of directing the attack forward. Um, I, I I don't think he's Aussie good. But I do think that he's not like you said, Rodrigo. He's not getting enough credit as um he's. A, Really good player. Um, I, I'm I'm pleasantly pleased with how uh, how just good he's been. He has, you know he's right. done lights out the way that you know if we had Ozzy when he was 28, Will Trap doesn't hold a candle to that. But Will Trap is still pretty good, and I think that um, I would rather figure out who goes next to Will Trap than anything else. Right? We've got we don't right. need to worry about Will Trap's spot right now. And I think that's the thing too is that we we all we all caught up on the amazing thing that Ozzy has been for this team and done, but and on this team he doesn't have to be an Ozzy. He just has to be able to do his job, which he's been doing right. He's connecting passes, and he, you know, he's got passes into the attacking third, and 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 helping helping be part of that creating that offense, right? I mean, that's that's one of those things that that help him, right? And then when he has to make a defensive stop, he'll try to do that, but. For that, you have, you know, you have a Dotson that is willing to be everywhere and anywhere and, and give up his body for certain things. And you have 
decent center backs that can that can do that as well too. And I think that's that's one of the things too. Well, is like is that is that he's doing a great job. Tyler Miller's doing a great job in the goal. I mean, this Portland game, he had some really key saves, right? And then um, our offense, you know, like should we should have been up at least by three goals. I mean, and and that. But you they know, also and, could and have that beautiful three. You know, the, we we the chaos had goals soccer. that were almost there. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the chaos soccer that Corey loves so much, and we talked about how we're like we're passing the ball quickly in triangle format or give give gives and goes in in the box. It just kills everybody. Nico Hansen had like at least four or five shots in this game that should have been goals. And there's the one where like um, he was wide open and the keeper uh, totally all spread out, like you know those. Uh, those uh those sticky mannequins you put in your car, like sticky, it is all spread out like that. And all Nico had to do was just touch it one more time on the outside and then shoot it around. But he shot right away because he's he's not used to getting the ball that often. And and just the, his effectiveness of being in the in, in the right place to get the ball is really something that's impressed me. And like I like when when I thought Nico was going to be part of this this group, I was like, great, he's gonna be able to provide support. But he's providing offense, which is which is really intriguing. So we've got um, three players coming back: um, Jan Gregus, Juko Raitala, and uh, Robin Lud. Where do they fit in when they come back? Um, and, and this is partially a preview of San Jose, and obviously we know that they won't all be back for San Jose. Um, but if you if you had all three back today, and you had this team. What would you do? How would you change the lineup from Portland to um, uh, to 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 going forward? I mean, I have a hard time seeing how Gregouche comes into the starting lineup at least at first. I think I think Hassani Dotson's probably going to bounce out for the Gold Cup. Maybe, like we we hope, maybe do or do we? Uh, I don't know. But I think there's going to be some opportunity for rotation there. Um, I do think we sign Hassani Dotson to a new three-year contract. I think you give him a run out. It's been he's been killing it with with Trap in the midfield. I think you keep that going. I think the biggest question, like Raitala, like you know, I I think he'll be cover for Metinair maybe. You know, when when he's out, I don't think we're going to move Dotson back there. Um, I think the the I'm more inclined to drop Lud back into the starting lineup over Nico just to see how Lud would would factor into that lineup. Like of the three of them, I would drop Lud in because he's a known quantity on the right. He's a goal scorer, um, and, and I think he provides some of the same stuff that Nico does. Uh, and it would be interesting to see how that would interact with Unu and Fragapani. Yeah, I kind of agree. Like, I, I see, like, especially if uh, Metnair is out on, like, you know, still working on his green card stuff and he's not able to play on Saturday, right Tala over on right for sure. Uh, might as well just get him in there. Um, and Lude, I think, for sure is back in on, you know, in the right wing. Um, I would put Gregus in. Like, I would actually prefer to see Gregus come in, play 60 minutes, and then have Dotson come on as a sub and just get in that rotation. Where they're each getting, you know, minutes, you know, 60, 30, whatever, um, seeing how it goes. Just because, yes, we've seen Dotson do well as the, as the eight in the last, like, what, two or three matches? But 
if that's his position, I want him to get in a steady rotation of somehow. And like, I don't see it being Dotson starting and Grey Goose coming on for 30 minutes as Grey Goose being like a DP or former DP, whatever he's, I have no one actually knows what his contract is at right now. Uh, but I, I don't see Grey Goose sitting. So I might as well just get a rotation going where you're rotating the players. You're keeping everyone, you know, uh, relatively, relatively rested going on, get in there and then um, see what they can do. And like, Dotson's again, Dotson's kind of a chaos uh kind of player, which is perfect for coming on against tired legs in the 60 or 65th minute. Like, so that's what I would like to see as far as rotation goes. Is I think Grey Goose is still a better player than Dotson. And um might as well just play him and then bring on Dotson when you need him. Yeah, no. <laughs> I don't I don't I don't I don't disagree. I don't agree with that. Really? So you go, you go with what's what's working and what's hot. That's what we've always tried to figure out. Why yeah. change it, right? I mean, if if you want to give Grey Goose some time, then fine. Like I think that's fine. It also it it also has to be match dependent, right? Like who do we have playing next? Like like are you going? Do you feel better with Dotson against Seattle, or do you want a Grey Goose against Seattle? Do you want chaos against Seattle, or do you want someone who's more solid in the aspect of connecting passes and doing that? I mean, those those are those are game decision type of thing. But I I, I think, I think as as, as anything, right? Like Gregor has, has has done a lot, and I think if he needs to get easy back into it, I think that's fine. Do the sixty thirty, but I do it I do it the other way. I give, I give the kid that has the energy and the legs to do sixty, and then Gregor with a totally different change of pace, yeah. uh, in, the, in the thirty. And I think that's 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 what it is. You 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 want to try to do that, right? I mean, I think. I agree with Mark and who should if if uh, if Mantania doesn't have his uh, paperwork ready, then then you put in Rotala, and I think I, I think that's fair. And then you put Luda on, on the right over Nico, knowing that Nico can play in there if he gets tired, right? And 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 he's and he's a sub. But I say play Dotson until he just doesn't doesn't work for you or until he goes away. I mean, did Chase also make the, the roster or for the Olympics? So there you go. Well, he made the I mean, long, super long, long the, the provisional and, and we know that yeah. and for gold cup because uh, we did not make the Olympics. so um uh I want to I want to go back to the Portland game because there's an important thing that we haven't hit yet um I, I just wanted to keep the sporting stuff there and then talk about this which is obviously uh Fragapane's um alleged racial um epithet um, thrown at Diego Chara. So we know very little, and we'll try to go to this. And and the one thing that, you know, we talked about uh, in in pre-production is we don't know what was said. We don't even know if there was a miscommunication. We don't know anything, right? And I think it's really stupid to speculate on versions of it because then it becomes, well, we're speculating on speculations. Um, But there are a couple things that we, we, we do know, which is, there is an allegation, and how do we respond to it, both in the game and outside of the game? And I, I guess I want to talk first about um, about the actual inside of the game and what happened, because um, Diego Chara, uh, well, Rodrigo, t- take us through this. Like Diego Chara, kind of goes through. You know, you get Diego Valeri come o- coming over. You get Michael Boxall coming over. There is this. The Diego Chara says he said something uh he said something racist to me um and how did they deal with it how 
could they have dealt with it in a way that going forward? Because I'm curious for your thoughts on this. I mean, it, it, it all started around like the 54th minute. Like I, I think Kragapani and Chara and were, were, were uh, butting heads in some sort of sense. I think Chara was, was as, as well known, was, was trying to to contain uh, Reynoso and sometimes Fragapani wasn't too friendly with that. And then there was a 64 minute interaction when Fragapani believed that he was fouled, right? And it was around that same time and where like uh, Diego Chara said that he said something to me or and then and then came into that. And I think the, the interesting thing about this, well not interesting, but is that, you know, like the, the what we saw on TV was just the, the refs First, having a conversation, and then bringing over the captains, and then the captains having a conversation, or captains and other full bodies. Because for us, it was boxing with Will Trap, and and it was uh, and and trying to sort of what figure it out. But the rule says that if the refs don't hear it or see it or witness it, then all they can do is continue play and and file a. Uh, a complaint and and have the league look into it, right? And I think uh, there's a point where Diego Valeri asked Chara to Chara to come over and to explain what was going on, and then he's trying to tell the referee what was said, and um, there seems to be no resolution out of it, right? And here's the thing that that that's really like like for me the the thing that was frustrating for me was was the protocol aspect of it. And this is where my coaching head and, and things like that, because these are things that, these things have not been just happening, right? These things are not just now. These things have been building up in soccer for a very long time. Um, now we're, we're choosing to, to, to address it. And I think it's, it's, the, it's the protocol that, that, that drives me a little bit insane. Um, I would like to talk to my players. I would like to separate both of those people or both teams and just have a conversation about what's going on. Like, what did you hear? What happened? Collect all the information. Relay that to the referees because they, they don't know. And then try to come up with what, what, what a solution might be, a resolution might be to that, right? Do we keep on playing? Of course, always checking with the two with the players that have been affected, right? Like, like I, I can't see Diego Chara, like I don't see it, him faking someone saying that. And Diego Chara is, if people don't know, he's he's Colombian, he's Afro-Colombian. Uh, and he, like, you know, things get said on the field and sometimes words and, and words may mean different things in different in different languages and different types of, of languages. And I'm assuming if something was said between these two, it had to be in Spanish. But these are all assumptions that we make. We don't know. Like, we don't know what was said. And until, until the league figures out, does an investigation, I think we are all in a limbo trying to figure out what was what, what was uh, what happened. But to me, the the thing is that there wasn't like a, a, a protocol. You didn't give it to the coaches to talk to the teams, and then come up with some sort of sort of idea or resolution. That like the best scenario that I've ever seen anything like this happen, and it just wasn't. It was when the San Diego Loyals had the sit, uh, uh, situation in which um, you know Colin Martin received a a, a homophobic slur. At him. The, the thing that was different in the situation is that it happened at halftime. Yeah. So there was time. The time to there was time it. to talk to your players. There was time to figure out what what they, your team wanted to do or what you want to do or how how was a player feeling. There was no time here. And there was he, no time taken. From that. Here's where I want to ask you a couple of questions about like what we imagine it might 
look like differently. The the one the a couple things you're running up against is most of the time in soccer the referee is asked to like well this person says they were fouled and this person says that they didn't foul them and they need to judge from their eyes whatever and if they didn't see it now we have VAR to go back and see that right like this is a very different type of thing right we're not talking about like oh someone some did something dirty and like grabbed the nuts of the player behind them secretly or so you know we're talking about something in a higher register and we're asking referees re- the referee system um to deal with it and, and we're also asking them to do it in a way that like um requires quickness that um right we we especially in a in a televised game the the goal is to move it toward to to have the game keep going etc and not have these long breaks um and and you also have something where it takes time to figure out what actually did happen let's talk about this and so much is going on around you i guess i'm i'm wondering like how we actually get to those points where um where we do it better. I don't, I don't think there's a good way to, to actually, a, a great way to deal with racism in sport because it's just, especially in this case where like literally only two people know what happened and they were both involved with it. And it's, he, he said, he said. Um, but do you know what I mean there? And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of curious if, uh, you know, if we can think about like, how do you, how do you deal with those problems of this is what referees are asked to do usually and it's not that, right? Like this is not, um, trying to deal with embellishment or, or or whatever. This is not the usual thing they're actually right, right. asked to do. I, I, I think one of the things too is that you, you want to give the referees as much as many tools as they can have. And in this situation, all they do is if I didn't hear or I didn't see it, then it then in some sort of way is like all I can do is just re- report it and make an investigation. It's like mm-hmm. I didn't see it, I didn't hear it, it didn't happen. Yeah. You got to keep playing, yeah. right? And what that does is it, it, it erases the incident mm. and it erases the, the the effect that that has on a player, right? And we saw it uh, when PSG was playing. We've seen it all over in Europe, right? Um, it has a it has an impact effect that like we don't that that because of there's a dismissal, uh, then that means that dismissing means that you don't acknowledge it that it doesn't happen. So then, what do players do? That are that identify as, uh, as of African descent or or BIPOC or whatever, yeah. right? Like they just have to swallow it and keep playing with it, right? Because that's what that's the, that's the way that it, and, that, and that's that's one of the things too that that's that's, that's really disheartening, right? Like it's like the child want to keep on playing. We don't know. No one asked them, right? We don't know who asked them. We because there isn't something set up, right? Like like. If the coaches can be a set of tool where they can gather information and, and do that, and then if it's determined then that we don't know who said anything, these are just one person saying one thing and the other, yeah. then you go back and say, hey, this is, unfortunately, this is what the rules are. This is what we have to follow, right? What do you, you hear your options, right? Like, but I, I felt that there were no other options. Like, mm-hmm. it was just that. And I understand televised game. I understand when it process it fast, but but when you deal with stuff like this, it it, it has to be. It it 
I'm not saying it's not being taken seriously, but it has to be thought. Yeah, but through. it is, and, and I think we haven't more we haven't done that than yet. Embellishment or or anything else. Yeah, right. I, I think the other thing to talk about with this is how did the teams react? Um, um, for me, when I look at my team, um, and 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 people were pointing out Portland's you know quote unquote um, hypocrisy when they had. Uh, an incident with where they defended their player who allegedly racially abused uh, Diamande from LAFC, and now they're they're talking about this. and And for me, like I don't care what any other team does. I want my team to live up to a standard that I believe in. Right? Like I'm more concerned. I'm way more harsh against Minnesota United for these types of things than than another team. And so I only care about like I want my team to live up to these ideals of of um, anti racism that that I that I want to see in soccer, and um, and I wonder you know I'm, I am Minnesota United put out their statement I mean immediately after the game and it was again uh, uh, what was the local time the local time was midnight but it was late right. Um, so let me find their their statement, which was did that statement actually come out right after the match? Because I don't, I didn't see not. anything maybe in was, official channels until the the next afternoon. It was no it nothing. Was, nothing, it, was, nothing. it was something I saw up that, in the morning. Um, I'll, I'll find when the tweet came out because it was. I saw that. I saw that it was um, June, MLS released their statement about the investigation. Then I oh, you're saw right. The, it was twelve twenty eight p.m. Okay, never mind. So anyway. It was, they're aware of the accusations, blah, blah, blah. The team has been investigating the matter, and the player involved in the reported incident has denied making any derogatory remarks. I will just say, this is just the um, writer in me. When you have a sentence that includes, they've been investigating it, and this happens, then you, and you're saying they, they denied it, then you are dismissing the investigation. So that's just a, like semantic thing i guess or grammatical thing that you've you've done Excellent. but they said um we will support the league in any investigation blah blah, blah. minnesota is built on inclusive inclusivity etc they've then said we strongly support this player um i wonder if you guys have any thoughts on what what it would mean to 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 do something better there because I, I do think it is very hard to um to balance the thing of well look we have to um we, you know, our player is saying something to us. We're talking to him, and we want to. We don't want to throw him under the bus, right? We want to wait. Um, we also, it's late. We just played a game. We have to respond to all these things. Uh, I understand those are those are things that make it difficult to respond well to a to an incident like this. How would you like to see a, your team respond to something like this? What would you do differently? That would. I mean. So th there's the, the the workflow and uh, and and systems part of my brain that is I immediately go to the they're getting on a plane they're not landing until six o'clock in the morning there's staff that need to be talked to there's a there's way more coordination about this type of messaging that needs to happen that's not excusable for for how they messaged it but it is a thing that I'm. I'm particularly sensitive to, or um, yeah, it's understandable right? like about, that, that, you know, that they don't they can't immediately come out and be. Yeah, they're not, they're not going to be they're not going to be on the plane drafting this thing because 
there are people that need to sign off on this or does, does the legal team need to look at it, blah, 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 all this other stuff. If I'm just looking at their statement, it's for me, it's the bit about the player involved in the reported incident has denied making any derogatory remarks. Okay, that's fine, but it, it's about understanding your messaging to your fan base and to the players, to the player that was abused, allegedly yeah. abused, yeah. and to the other and to the rest of the league. And I think it's say, yeah, we are investigating it internally. And then lean into the lean into the stuff that we know that the team is about, you know, with how they build on the inclusivity and respect, but it's like, it, it's, it's that one line. It's that, it's that bit that, that you have a problem with Wes, where it's the, it's, it's the, run it, on it's, try, it's trying, it's trying to, it's trying to support yeah. this new player who you're trying to bring into our community. But it's like, it, it's that, that makes it feel dismissive. And what that, are, what's important, yeah. what's important for me is to, to you do have a, a legit um, thing to deal with with your team, your players, and, and that thing. But you also have to always understand, even if this was he said a word and Chara completely m- misheard the word, whatever it was, whatever it is, the damage is done. And you are messaging to, as you mentioned, to your fans and to everyone else out there, not just you, because the most important thing is not your player chemistry and those things. You can fix that. Your most important thing is your fan chemistry and your public chemistry, because you need to understand that even if in this scenario where it was completely, he misheard this, this was not, the damage is done where something happened. And you always have to recognize that the effect, even if the cause was not actually real, is the the effect is always real. And that's right. what frustrates me about that that response is is not understanding that look, even Char is not a guy to make things up. I don't know him, but he's been around long enough. We all know the concept of Chara. Chara is not making this shit up. Maybe Chara completely misheard, right? That's the that's the like rosiest version of this. It doesn't matter. Right. If, if he completely misheard this, it does not matter because the effect is there and you need to mend that effect in order for to to get on the good graces of a fan like me or fans around. Right. Like because you also have you have lots of uh, fans who are people of color who are looking at this and being like, why well, I don't care. You need to make this right. You need to make it you need to make amends here and you don't have to do that in the initial statement at some point you need to indicate that this is serious well they do we're taking it serious blah 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 but you have to indicate that like um regardless of this we want to make this right and that that's what you don't see that they do this legal speak and um teams like that have to do it or whatever but that's what bugs me about it or many things yeah, bug me about it and, and and it makes me wonder like you know if you if you went out and and said you know we support Diego Chara or we you know the team issues some sort of apology like is that going to assume that even if 
things were misheard or or any of that does that assume that the team you like that they're saying yeah we know it was wrong or yeah we know that it actually happened like you know what i mean like you don't if, have to, if, you don't if, have if, to if, apologize yeah, yeah, for, for ahead, whatever but but you can't you you don't have to even apologize in that initial thing you have to say you can say like look we need time to look at this but we we need to yeah. understand that like we want chart and you, you can re, you can publicly in that statement try Support to start him. the yeah. amends right and yeah, and which is like, we take this seriously and what instead Heath has said we strongly strongly support our player because he said this thing i get why he says that you know what i do i strongly strongly fucking support diego chara too right like uh, like he said a thing regardless of what what the intent or what happened we don't we have no clue yeah it, it is it is a reality so Mark, do you want do you want to close this yeah, up no, here? Well, and what makes this even more difficult too is that like, I don't think officially, except for like the interviews that they did today, no one actually named Fragapani in anything of the statement. So like, I think there's, there's also the anonymity and that but. of like the player. So it's like, I would have liked to see something like, um, we were looking forward to we want to see the results of this investigation. We fully support this investigation, and. We also want to see where our onboarding has failed in bringing this new player on and in, in bringing this new player into our culture of, you know, whatever. And you, I mean, it's tricky because you can't like, there's it's a difficult. failure somewhere, whether it was, you know, onboarding a new player, whether it was, uh, you know, vetting the player before you sign them. Like there was a failure somewhere, and it would like to be nice to see some sort of a expression of noting that failure. And until you kind of see that and kind of owning a little bit of it, that's kind of what I want to see from the club is owning that failure and saying, we could have done better and we will do better going forward by doing this, this, and this. I don't this think they can do I that before the investigation's done. I don't expect that right. on the day after, but yeah. No, and, doing, and that's the thing is like, you, going so fast, out, you can't say that kind of thing until yeah. the investigation is done. And that's, again, this, that's why, yeah. I mean, honestly, just it, give it. it's, it's not an easy situation to be in, but I think what, to bring us all back, what we're all talking about is setting policy and setting protocol, right? Yeah. That's what we're talking about, which is what the original, what the original problem with this whole thing was, was like the way things were processed and the way things were done. It's like, we can use these situations like to set policy and set protocol not only internally, but at a much bigger level, which is the MLS, right? Um, and I think that's that's the that's the way that, that needs to be approached. And it's unfortunate that you know when it happened to um, uh, the LAFC player, someone help me with the name, Dimande. Um, Dimande. Dimande yeah. Literally, it was like he said, he said, he said, and there's no proof, yeah. so. Yeah, yep. we're not doing anything about it, right? And there's there there is no there is no steps, there was no nothing, and and I think the the involvement here should also come from the, the from the the MLS Players Association as well too. I mean, I think it, it it has to come up. All three of these entities, if and more, need to sit down and and come up. What is the way that we how we want to deal with situations like this? Because these are not going to go away. Well, well, right? here's here's here. Let me say this to close us here. The team, any team, any organization needs to figure out how we are not going to not just be not racist or not shitty. 
but how we can be anti-racist. How can we set up our organization, our players, who, again, like their most important thing is we want them to be winners. We want them to be a blah, blah, blah. But how can we set up our organization where, with our players that they understand the expectations of, uh, of, of being anti-racist, anti-homophobic, and anti-bigotry, um, where you've got players coming from random, you, you, not random, but like from all over the world and you're bringing them in. What are you doing to set them up to help them understand like, hey, Fra- Fragapane has been with the team how many weeks now? Two weeks? Three weeks? Not long, right? Like, how can you get them in the doors and not have it be a, a, a shitty, like, um, we've all sat, sat through terrible like anti-sexism or whatever, like trainings or things like that. But how can you sit them down and set them up with a culture? Which is, look, you need to understand that you're playing for a team that has these X, Y, and Z expectations. And whatever. And that's not going to always root it out, but how can you set that culture? And how can you do that with, with throughout your staff, not just your players? So I want to take a break because we'll we'll do some uh, questions. Uh, but I want to just close in saying, like, it is a very difficult thing. I know that the team was being raked. I um I tweeted uh, my criticism. Other people cri- criticize them. It's not an easy thing to to deal with this stuff. Um, but the main thing is to be on the right side of uh, redemption, <laughs> you know, and the right side of whatever that is, and that is to understand that regardless. Diego Chara said that he was racially abused, and that is the reality, whether regardless of what the cause was that created that. And you have to make that right. And that should be the main focus of the team and the fans and the players. And um, I know there's a lot of people in that locker room, Jacory Hayes, uh, Hassani Dotson, lots of very smart people who have been dealing and, and grappling with a lot of this stuff. And I, I'm, I'm very hopeful that um, good things can come from this because, uh, you know, uh, uh, yeah, because I, I think that they can. So let's take a break here and then we'll come back and talk some Twitter. Okay, sports fans, let's do some Twitter questions. Um, here's from Anonymous, someone in Bloomington who lives next door to uh, Jackson Ewell, who uh, recently bought a, uh, a a rental there and is renting it out. Will Jackson Ewell mow the lawn of his slumlord Bloomington rental? <laughs> Apparently, no. Uh, no. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I won't. Yeah, if they give me the address, I'll go mow it, and then I'll invoice them. Do it, do it. We'll we'll have a uh, shovel foot anonymous uh, send that. Eric Trickstad <laughs> says, uh, "So, what's the best way to watch Aberdeen FC while in Minnesota? And is it wrong for an Irishman to support a soccer team?" Uh, Eric, I don't think that you've heard about Celtic before because that is basically the Irish, uh, uh, Scottish soccer team. You can watch it on ESPN uh, uh, Plus, but they only have one game a week or a couple. Yeah, games like a week. I, I looked into it. Like, there's really unless they're playing Celtic or Rangers, and they happens to be 
the match they chose to play that week because I mean every match they show each week is either Celtic or Rangers and that's, that's it. Not good. So hopefully they're playing one Nick, of those two teams. Or Eric, you should fly to Scotland and do that. So there is a guy. Um, I believe his name is it Callum McGregor. It's a super freaking Scottish name. God damn it! I keep on forgetting because it's so Scottish that I keep on forgetting it. Um, he is. Uh, he's a. A uh, guy who covers Livingston, he, he's a Scottish guy who who writes about soccer, and he came to a Minnesota United game years ago, and uh, and he's kept in touch with a lot of people here, and uh, so he's going to be the first person to have watched uh, uh, Christian Ramirez on two continents. So basically, go to Scotland, hang out with Colm. I'll, I'll find his, uh, yeah. his, his drink some scotch. It's really good whiskey. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely. I mean, I've been planning like thirteen different. Uh, European adventures. So, um, yeah. So Nick says Aberdeen, Nick the Dosh says Aberdeen need a, to have a friendly with Minnesota United just so Christian Ramirez can play at Allianz Field. What would the TIFO look like for that match? What would it look like for Christian to come back as, as, a, as an enemy? Not an enemy. Even uh, oh, I, it's going to oh. be... No, it's going to be Christian Ramirez dressed as Superman, but the red scarf is going to have the Aberdeen kind of thing, like whatever their logo is on the back of it. Oh, I thought he was going to be dark Superman. Oh, yeah. Oh. Like yeah. long long hair and a goatee. Yeah. yeah. He's going to be like dark Superman that just wears like a whole black suit, like Superman suit with the S and he's got like the goatee. But the, but the cape is actually like the tartan, like right. Scottish. Like kilt fabric, exactly, exactly, <laughs> right. It's plaid. <laughs> or 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 we or we do, or we do, a uh, Superman, Christian Ramirez, Highlander, Tifo. Ooh, oh yeah, Highlander Tifo would be great. Um, in Aberdeen, he's going to be playing with Scott Brown, who is a legendary Scottish player. Just as absolute, I mean most. Scott, famous Scottish players are absolute son, sons of bitches, um, but he's an absolute son of a bitch, just a, a absolute brute. So I'm 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 excited for what he can teach Christian in his game. Um, our friend, our Danish friend, my comrade, my my cousin, I'm sure Henrik Hugelund, um says I made the oh, oh this is because the um the fifty five one uh, tweet asked for cocktail recipes. And, and this was, did not disappoint. I, no, I, he I said, was very I made this with, this. A, with a buddy called Jude 10 years ago. 50% vodka, 30% sweet vermouth, 20% Grand Marnier, loads of ice. We call it Jurek Smooth. It's not as insane as it sounds. He said he did drink this in his 20s, so this was a, a different era. I, I don't know if this would taste good. That's, that's it, what it, I, sounds like, it sounds like a, like a Danish sangria. Yeah, but it all, I think it all depends on the garnish. Like, what are you putting in that to like complement it? But better here is is Johan Djukov, who um, you know, the two of them we had this winter on on together, the Swede. So Henrik is the Dane, Johan is the um, the the Swede. One of my favorite restaurants in Stockholm is a Norland themed restaurant called Knut. Knut. He, he, he says, pronounce but anyway, Norland is the northernmost uh, of the three traditional lands of Sweden. He said they've made a cocktail called the Norland Champagne. 
Norlandic champagne, which is made of cava and lingonberry sorbet. It's actually really good. That actually sounds good. Henrik, that's how, Henrik sounds like a way to get completely fucked up. Johan's <laughs> one sounds great. I, I will. I'll drink Johan's. Um, I'll still have my. Uh, um, uh, I, I had your blackout uh, moment. Well, I've had a Akavit. Uh, I've had Akavit this this week, uh, last couple of weeks because of uh, celebrating Denmark, but. Um, Akavit uh, and tonic is is pretty good. So, I also was not aware that lingonberry sorbet was even a thing. I would love to have that. Just generally speaking, most of the time, you should go to it's Sweden. Summer. At Dane Bernardo says, Lingle "Can we please get a, a, a pronunciation clarification for fragapane? I have actually not heard. A, how does um, Callum say it? Callum's usually do, does his research. Fragapane. Fragapane. And did yeah. he, no, but the thing is, he's Italian Argentinian. So isn't it like, don't you have to just put like a bad Italian accent? Like, a fragapane. So, and, and, no. and that's, a, that's a Super Mario Brothers accent. Yeah. And so, I said and, bad. And, and, and Dane, Dane asked if, if, if he okayed the Frank Payne nickname kind of about anglicizing. I will say my defense of the Frank Payne nickname is not that we're anglicizing his name because his name is like not Francisco. Um, or we're, what we're doing there is we're just creating a fake DC comic name out of Fragapane. I, I will say I wait. I wait, the know. Punisher. The Punisher is Marvel. So oh, that's what you're upset about. <laughs> <laughs> this is where the real issue comes well, into play. I don't have a problem with the anglicization. I do have a problem with you fucking saying DC. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I I guess. The the Frank Payne nickname is meant to be an intentional um, fake version of him. That that that's where I feel like it's it not is it doing. is our like it is our it is our like superhero canon, right? I, I mean, if if you if you put a pic, you put like his face right next to who the actor is of like you know of of the Punisher, it's like totally like literally. Yeah, the same person. So that's where it comes from. Like it's a it's a riff on the Punisher, uh, who is uh, known as Frank Castle, right? And then um, Frank Franco, right? And then Pain, just because you know, I thought it was, bring the pain, or maybe we can throw in the house. I didn't of pain even know there were these layers to this joke. There's the joke several, there's several so layers. Good. The, the thing is, fifty five one Slack channel is really getting deep on this one. Me create a fake trailer for the fake Frank Payne movie, which is I need someone who knows video stuff and we will create the overdubbed uh, Frank Payne. Um, Frank Payne. Just the, the, the monologue. So um, is Frank Payne. <laughs> here's the deal, kiddos. Minnesota United plays uh, San Jose this weekend, I believe it, it's an 8 p.m. game, right? It's a home game, but it's 8 p.m., not they did it later. Am I correct? There's, there's no way to know. No, this, yeah, we, we can't well, find out. there's probably a schedule. 7 p.m., never mind. No, I, oh, it's because I've been checking when I'm on the East Coast. Sorry. Minnesota United plays this weekend. And, uh, and then, you know, there's a dance party, actually, after. It's not a drag show. It's a dance party at the Blackheart. Um, and, uh, there's lots of euros coming up. There's also Copa America. I'm back in town. So I'm going to kick Mark, uh, Provatsky off of, uh, bartending all the euros games. 
Wes is back, baby. And there's going to be Akavit flowing because Denmark's going to win Wait. this whole fucking thing. Who who was who was who was helping out on the Copa America games? If Marx is doing the Euros, uh, that was just that's during regular hours, so just regular oh. bartenders. But uh, comrades, I'm here, and uh, I want to bartend some games for you. And uh, you, my friends, are here, and you're doing a podcast with me. Thanks, everyone. We will talk to you soon, and uh, you know, be well, be awesome, and. Uh, You're sexy and beautiful. Everyone loves you.